everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Chapter Surfing. We are going to be talking about the Amazon original series, The Boys, based on the comic of the same name by Garth Ennis. Uh, we are going to be talking about the plot of all three seasons of The Boys, so expect spoilers up to season three, episode four, which is everything that's come out as of this recording. And also, I just want to give this whole episode a big content warning. Uh, I'm sure we'll have to talk about sexual assault and Nazis quite a bit, because that's a big part of The Boys, uh, so be ready for that. And my guest is just the beautiful host of the podcast, uh, Brett Easton Hell Yes, Katie Wright. Hello! Thank you for calling me beautiful. It's true. <laughs> it's so true. Happy to be here. Happy to hype to talk some boys. Yeah. So, Katie, you uh, picked uh, the boys as the subject when you had not watched a full episode or read it yet. Uh, tell me a little bit about sort of what intrigued you. Yeah, I mean, I think your reaction to the boys um, was like the, the the TV show was was the big thing. Um, I remember when you first started watching it, you were just like, I don't remember exactly what you said, but you were like, great news, Chase Crawford is playing Aquaman, but a sexual predator. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I just felt like I occasionally caught little glimpses and little uh, updates from you about like the the weird uh, psychological landscape of the boys. (laughs) And um, I'm pretty like burnt out on superhero stuff so I wasn't really interested in watching it for a while but was just sort of enjoying getting those updates and I don't know after a certain point I was just like you know what it sounds really good and um, I was a big Supernatural fan and um, the creator of the boys TV show is Eric Kripke who also created Supernatural um, and uh, yeah I mean heard that Jensen Ackles was going to be on the new season that that was an appeal it's just there's just been a long a long road gradually leading me towards the boys and you have paved the majority of that road (laughs) I'm I'm so glad uh so uh just sort of I guess we'll start kind of big picture uh just tell me your reaction to to watching the boys we binged uh we basically binged the first two seasons uh and then the first four episodes of season three came out shortly after. Yeah, so I feel like, um, I big picture, I really like it. Um, as I said, I'm sort of burnt out on um, superhero stuff, and I don't really watch a lot of like action drama stuff um, on TV, at least. Um, but it's, I, I, I think it's got really strong characters. It's got a real strong suit for like people creating like characters with a lot of psychology which is something that I really love um and I do think like there's I sort of like my investment in the big storylines kind of ebbs and flows a little bit there are some like storylines or subplots where I'm like I don't really I haven't really invested the energy to like understand what why any of this matters (laughs) um so there are there are you know, times when I'm sort of tuning it out, but on the whole, I think it's a really strong show with like a really good, a really strong specific voice. Um, it's 
it's like a very mean show, but now having read the the <laughs> first volume of the comic, it's it, it makes me really appreciate how much heart it also has. Because <laughs> um, there is, it is like just a show set in a very cruel universe, uh, and it sort of sadistically takes takes pleasure from uh, <laughs> making just showing upsetting things. But there is a sort of like underlying kind of. I don't know, investment in the characters. There is like a feeling that like these people matter and that most most of these characters are in some way trying their best. As Brene Brown said, like <laughs> everyone is trying their best and their best might not look the same as your best. And their best might be might be dangerous to society, but it's still important to understand. They're doing their best, and that's Homelander. It's so true. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but yeah. So, um, I I think it's really strong suit is its characters. It's got a really strong specific voice. Um, sometimes I'm up and down with how like actually interested I am in a given plot, but I think it's a really strong show overall. Yeah, and yeah, this was something I really thought about showing it to you because I don't generally recommend you any like action shows or superhero shows even um when i enjoy them anymore like i don't <laughs> you can hear our dog playing a little bit in the background um and uh generally don't even recommend you like sci-fi shows unless it's like severance yeah, yeah. severance <laughs> i feel like i was even resistant to severance for a while <laughs> is how how yeah, how rarely I get recommended or accept a recommendation of a sci-fi show. Um, but yeah, watch rewatching it with you, I really noticed how much like often I'm like, I don't even really even feel like these writers watch <laughs> watch uh, superhero stuff very much. And you know, God bless them. Um, it's yeah, it really does feel sort of in a vein of like succession or like the other two of like commenting on like media very heavily. Yes. Um, and oh, sorry, what was it? Oh yeah, I was just gonna say this is something that actually uh, Leslie Lee was talking about on his show the other day. How the comic really focused a lot of its commentary on superheroes. So when you read it, you're kind of like, okay, well they're not real. <laughs> like, it's like how hard hitting can this satire be? Right. <laughs> uh, so I think it was very wise that. Um, so much of the, uh, so much of the show is about uh, sort of corporations and the military uh, and stuff like that, and I think uh, it definitely benefited from uh, since the comic has come out. Uh, there's, uh, we now have this whole Disney MCU thing, uh, so it like makes sense to comment on stuff using superheroes because it's like, yeah, now. All of us are thinking about the MCU 24-7, even if we have no interest in it whatsoever. <laughs> it, like, feels real. Yeah, it's so, like, I guess I won't say prescient, because the comic didn't really do this that well. Um, but it is so funny that, like, the, the comic came out in, like, 2006 when... You know, I don't know what was coming out then, like Spider-Man 3, um, X-Men 3. <laughs> it was not the superhero landscape we have today, but now we have like 
when a Captain America movie comes out that's like an ad for the army produced by Disney and is so like that it's it is such a thing that doesn't feel like it should be able to exist and it's so the like cartoon evil world of the boys like I don't I don't think the boys in 2004 or whatever yeah it just like didn't have that much to say about yeah. society like there wasn't superheroes just like weren't that important um but yeah it's like I don't know if you really could have had a, a boys show come out back then at least it wouldn't have it wouldn't have really had anything useful to say or wouldn't have really felt like especially relevant for anybody other than like comic book geeks but yeah it is like crazily <laughs> crazily relevant and I think that's I mean that is a big part of why as a person who is kind of over superhero media I'm still into it because it's itself like pretty over superhero <laughs> media it's like boy those billboards are everywhere aren't they these fucking movies just keep coming out like yeah so you definitely don't have to be into superheroes to enjoy it yeah I do think the um when it does have action it is very good um I think probably the best of any superhero show I've seen I love the fight with Translucent in the pilot yes <laughs> I was just we just rewatched the pilot I was just thinking that as well. And a lot of the time in superhero movies and just action movies in general, the like fight scenes, my brain just automatically tunes out. I just get like, so bored immediately. And I think it's largely because of the way like American action sequences are directed. Like it's just really quick, fast cuts and it's just sort of like doesn't connect to my human brain. Um, but the action sequences on the boys, yeah, you're totally right. They're really interesting and they're really like captivating and really creative. The, the yeah, the fight with Translucent while he's in invisible mode is really good. And there's also even just a couple of like slow motion shots in the pilot. Like Maeve gets hit by the truck and it like crashes through her in slow motion or like when, um, when Huey's girlfriend gets run over by yeah, a train. Yeah, that's such a good sequence. <laughs> yeah, they like they look they look fucking great. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's really well directed. Um, so just uh, big picture now. Let's just get into your sort of first major reaction to the comic, which you read basically shortly after finishing binging the show. Yeah, um, the comic sucks <laughs> I really did not like the comic um and I I expected to I expected to like it um just because I you know generally think that adaptations aren't usually as good as the things they're adapted from um and I don't know I just thought it would be good and then <laughs> right before I read it I remember you offhandedly being like yeah, I'm excited to read it because I've heard a lot of people say it's the worst comic they've ever read. And I was like, well, this is the first time hearing of this. Oh, I thought I, I said that. No. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I said that when you suggested doing the boys as well. I mean, maybe you did and it just like it just like passed me by. But I yeah, I was not expecting that. I, th I thought it would be good, um, but it was not. It's a very I feel like the overall tone it like it shares with the TV that the TV show that it's like mean and satirical, um, but it is more like 
edgelordy, <laughs> like Reddit, depths of Reddit-y, or like incel-y. <laughs> um, it just, it feels mean in a way that I found like very alienating yeah. rather than like kind of guiltily, gleefully delightful <laughs> the way I felt about the show. Yeah, I so I was warned about this. I had seen multiple people be like, I can't believe you guys that The Boys is a good show because it was the worst comic I've ever read. Um, and yeah, then I read it and I was like, yeah, I agree. I mean, first off, um, the like the show has a lot of like misogyny in its subject matter, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a big part of what it deals with. But like the comic very clearly is just actively coming from a place of hating women. Cause like the thing that uh, I feel like the biggest like early red flag from early on was how they just made Mother's Milk's daughter and ex wife like. <laughs> horrible sluts for like no reason and butcher is like listen you gotta stop dressing like such a slut and it's like this is so weird it doesn't fit in at all yeah that is some wild shit (laughs) to just be like our own like our only female black character is gonna be just like a nasty slut and her unseen mother is also just like an even worse nasty slut. So weird. It's really weird. Yeah, that it is like crazily like I just I don't really feel like I get like surprised by the misogyny of media that much these days. It's just like it's fine it's whatever like I'm not usually I'm not usually like offended even if stuff is like showing sexist tropes it's like whatever yeah who cares but there's there's it's really misogynistic with a vengeance yeah it's so gross like it's just so weird to like stop everything and be like you know what this superhero comic needs is like the hero just like randomly like telling a prepubescent girl like you need to stop dressing like a slut and your mom's a cunt it's like what who is that for um and also i feel like there is a um there's like an artistic choice in the in like the facial expressions of the female characters when they're either alarmed because they're about to be like gang raped by coworkers or when they're like yelling at a guy. It's a very like, I don't, I'm not enough of a visual arts person to really zoom in on it, but it's, they're drawn very shrewishly and very like dumb bitch-ily. <laughs> like, like when Starlight, when, when, Three superheroes fucking drop trow in front of Starlight and are like, we want you to suck all of our dicks. But I feel like the reaction shot of her is supposed to be mentally accompanied by like a boiling noise or something. She's like, what? <laughs> like, and there and there's the fucking FBI director or whatever she is that butchers oh, fucking. God, yeah, they put in this weird runner where it's like. Not actual rape, but they're, like, constantly showing her having sex with him and, like, having dialogue that's like, I wish this wasn't happening. I hate that you're doing this right now. It's so weird. Yeah, they're like, oh, the hate sex is so hot. But it's, 
It's like, you know, they they put in that she consents so that they yeah. can have, like, their protagonist be like, you dumb bitch, I'm gonna put my dick in your ass even though you don't want me to. And it's like, no, it's fine. That's how they play. <laughs> but it's, like, gross. It's weird. And, like, I am not above, far from it, <laughs> enjoying media that depicts gross, weird problematic sexual situations but they do it wrong yeah it's so it it makes you feel just like so gross and depressed yeah Um, it's on top of being fucked up it's like pathetic (laughs) it's like the person who thought of this and the imagined reader who thinks this cool (laughs) thinks this is cool are like profoundly sad yeah it the thing where they call uh, Kamiko's character is only referred to as the female and that like detail just like took me back so much to a different era because I feel like now like now when I hear a woman complain about men who say females I'm like who are you even talking uh-huh. about like it's 2022 and then like when I saw that I was like oh yeah 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 fucking crazy like it really <sighs> different time it's really it's really a comic that makes you be like you know we've come we've come a long way like overly woke culture can be annoying look i'm a i'm a i'm a i'm a socialist sjw with the best of them but when people are like uh, this pride flag is more is less accessible than this pride flag. It can get annoying. Um, so it's nice to see like a sort of <laughs> an artifact from a time before the sort of like progressive discourse took over the social sphere and be like, hey, that was worse. Like we got this is this is what we have now is better. It's an, it's annoying yeah. in a much better way. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. Um. One thing I feel like that is interesting um, that the show kind of benefited timing-wise is I feel like the comic came out at a time when you really constantly heard people like talk about how much uh, the U.S. is eager to invade countries to the point where like it was like almost like annoying. Like you, like I remember being like, "Oh, I get it. Bush wants to invade Iraq," like all the time. Yeah. Um, and if you go back and watch, you know, shows like Thirty Rock or Boondocks, like there's so much of that. And even like early Community, like puts it in in ways that don't make sense. They'll just like randomly like shoehorn in the war in Iraq, um, and then they like really stopped for a really long time. And um, then when The Boys, the show came out, it was like really refreshing to see a satire where you're like, yeah, the US military is always trying to invade places. (laughs) Oh, wow, I didn't think about that, but you're right. It was legitimately annoying back then when everybody was like, oh, Bush and the war in Iraq. But yeah, now we've gone too far in the opposite direction. (laughs) And The Boys is a necessary corrective to that. Yeah, totally. Um, an in- a really interesting thing that struck me uh, reading the comic is weirdly 
a lot of stuff in the comic is stuff that they're just getting to now in season three. Yeah. Like the the 24 hour superhero thing, which by the way, I think sucks. <laughs> I agree that it sucks. And I really felt like, I was like, oh boy, this is a real season three spinning its wheels kind of move. And then I was like, oh, this is like the second comic. The second like issue was about Butcher injecting himself with yeah, this Yeah, seriously. And also, something that's really striking about the comic is that, like, it's, like, Homelander's, like, main thing. Like, all he does is, like, sexually humiliate Annie. And similarly, Annie's entire thing is, like, getting sexually humiliated by Homelander, which, like, is so not their dynamic in the first two seasons of the show. But, like, now in season three, he is, like, forcing her to be his girlfriend. Um, So it's, like, interesting that it sort of feels like uh, after season two, they were like, okay, what are we going to do next? And maybe like went back to volume one of the comic. Yeah. Although he is like, he is still distinct from the comic Homelander because he's like forcing her to be publicly in a relationship. He's not like, I think he has no desire to touch her. (laughs) Uh, Um, but yeah, he's like publicly, romantically, uh preying on her but <laughs> but yeah he's it's it's very weird in the comic that he's just like like a frat dude like a really <laughs> shitty bro <laughs> yeah it's so interesting we so we only read volume one and i feel like probably we'll never read more sorry yeah. uh <laughs> but um it i am like so curious about how strange it is that it seems like a so many of the characters, all they do is sexually assault Annie, and that's like their thing. But not the deep. The yeah. deep is just hanging out. <laughs> I know it's so crazy. The deep is just in his little scuba suit, and he wants his cut of the action figure profits, and he minds his own and he keeps his clothes clean. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm really glad that. The Homelander was reimagined in the way that he was, and that the Deep was reimagined in the way that he was, because I think that they're the two strongest, like, anti hero or straight up villain characters. Um, they're re- I, th- I think they're they're my favorite characters. I think they're your favorite characters. As yes, well. they're definitely my favorite. <laughs> uh, I was relieved when they were your favorites because I feel like it reflects poorly on me that they're my favorites. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it does. I think it reflects poorly <laughs> on me as well. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think like in season one, I could do a decently good job of being like. Yeah, I love Annie and Huey, and I want them to take down Vaught, and I'm, like, liking everyone I'm supposed to like. And I feel like in season two, the good guy's writing got significantly worse. One thing I really noticed rewatching season two is, like, so much of Annie's dialogue is, like, insanely on the nose. Like, I feel like I'm going to ruin it for people by pointing this out. But if you watch, if you rewatch season two, you will really notice this, that she's just like always like literally just like, so here's where I'm at in my emotional journey. Or just like, (laughs) here's how I think I contrast with Butcher. And it feels like they just like took their notes for the season and just like put them into her dialogue. And I think like part of why the deep shines so much is I feel like, the show is not that good at like big picture story 
they're really great at scenes. Like, that's their yeah. strong suit, is individual yeah. scenes. Absolutely. So, like, I think with the main characters, you're so often like, why aren't they doing this? And why isn't this happening? But, like, the Deep, especially in season two, is, like, so his own thing that it's just, like, always, like, what fun thing is the Deep going to do this episode? Yeah, that's a really good theory. And I've, I've only watched season two once through, so I have not picked up on, on Annie just being like, my name is Annie, and I'm 21, and I'm feeling conflicted, or whatever. Uh, that's very interesting. But yeah, I think um, I think you're right about the deep. And, and, and I also think, um, similarly, yeah, I agree that the show's not great at sort of like big picture, overarching plot stuff. And I think part of why Homelander is so strong is that Homelander is just like, I want to maintain the status quo, except I also need to like infinitely gain more love. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just like this gaping hole of like, I need a mommy. Um, and so like, because he's not like, you know, plot and intrigue driven, he just has like this huge emotional hole that he's desperately trying to fill. Um, that like plays to the show's strengths a lot, a lot better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think you're right. I think that the the boys, um, the the good guys, um, kind of get fucked by the fact that they have to be like, now we will bring him to this facility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always I realized on this rewatch, I think like the show the boys reminds me of most is actually Shameless, mm. um, which. Uh, you know, was also a show where overall plot, you, I mean, you wouldn't even really be able to say what it is. Um, and like, I think a lot of people sort of stopped watching it specifically because they were like, you know, it's spinning its wheels and like nothing matters. And like, how many times can I watch Fiona like try to get a promotion or whatever? Um, but I really liked it up until the very end because like every week you would be like, what scene am I going to see? Like what yeah. like crazy weird thing would they rev up over like six minutes? And I think like that's where the boys really shines. And I could imagine it having been developed a little more like that of like the sort of uh each week we're gonna check in on this you know Vought world and uh not not as much have um the Huey trying to take down Vought stuff which like uh so far the show hasn't lost me but it is like unfortunate that like it's clearly gonna reach a point where you're gonna be like okay, like, what else can you do? Like, why hasn't Homelander snapped to his neck in his sleep at some point, right? right. Um, and that is, like, kind of a bummer that it's not built to be... Because I think you could, uh, if the show was different, like, check in on these characters each week for as long as something like Shameless because they're such good, fun characters. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I, I think based on just the first volume of the comic it feels like the comic is built a lot more around like we are following the boys like yeah. the core group of characters and we are following them on their journey to take down Vought and like the the seven are super one-dimensional like they're they're not interesting like Homelander and A-Train and Black Noir are the exact same type of se of sex criminal and like the other ones just like don't have personalities um and then Annie is there to be like I'm, I'm idealistic and I get raped and like that's that's it um 
Yeah, the commentary. Oh, sorry. Were you? Yeah, I was just gonna say. So they already have like moved it a lot more in the direction of being like character driven and like an ensemble thing. Um, but you're right that it would be better if they went like all the way and like almost entirely disregarded their source <laughs> material. Um, but yeah, what were you gonna say? Um, yeah, I was just gonna say like it's amazing how just like thin the commentary in uh the comic is uh because Vought on the show is so interesting and like there's definitely I'm sure we'll talk about it there's definitely specific moments where the satire does not hit um but they do a lot of satire and then by in by contrast just like the comics it's like there's one moment where Homelander's like hey there was a corporate that guy there you don't mess with the money and you're like that's very good <laughs> corporate guys control the money that's great yeah yeah you know i think i think the boys was the comic was not really concerned about being about anything you know it was just like what if the superheroes were bad <laughs> even though like the watchmen already existed so i don't know why, <laughs> why anybody needed them but i i saw some it might have been on like amazon or on the back of the comic or something it was like who watches the watchmen the boys and so it feels like it's it's supposed to be like oh what if in the Watchmen universe there was a scrappy team of sarcastic guys <laughs> and it it's i feel like it feels like it's building on the Watchmen, or it's like a like a humorous takeoff on the Watchmen, but it is actually just sort of like diminishing what <laughs> has already been achieved, not creating anything new of value until the show was created. And now yeah. I guess it's, I'm glad that it existed as that, part of that journey. <laughs> that is always something that like kind of like weirdly comforts me is that like, you know, if we have to lift, live in this world where every single thing is IP, it's like at least sometimes the IP is just like, okay, we'll take your like title and character names and then we'll fix what fucking you did. Yeah. <laughs> I was honestly like really delighted and I don't, I, I don't have like that strong an investment in Eric Kripke, but when I realized that like my favorite parts of the boys show are like original to the show, I was like so happy. I was like... Eric Kripke did that. Like, he did that. He made The Deep as I know him. He made No Blander as I know him. And, you know, all the other writers and the actors and yes. everybody else as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea how actually involved he is. I know he wrote the pilot. I don't know if that's the last episode he actually scripted or not. But, um, I like, it is a show that does make me a little emotional because, like, you watch it and you're like, oh, like, this is what he was always trying to make. Like, this is what the CW wouldn't let Supernatural be. But it's just, like, all this, like, cool fighting and cool needle dro drops and still has, like, all the good parts of Supernatural. And it just, it just warms your little heart. Yeah, it's really good stuff. And, you know, I feel like Supernatural had that sort of, like, roiling pervert feeling under the surface for all those many seasons. And I think any number of of horny young women picked up on that, and that is why uh, the fandom is what it is. Um, but I, I feel like, I feel like you can sort of feel the same, the same depraved heart that beats in the boys. <laughs> it's, it's kind of there in Supernatural as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um. Would you like to talk about, since I did just bring it up a second ago, 
uh, certain moments in the show when sort of uh, the satire is not hidden. <laughs> sure. And we can also, after that, talk about like your favorite satirical moments. Okay, yeah. Um, I, off the top of my head, when you said that, was like, huh, I wonder what he is referring to and couldn't pull an example. So I'm curious For what you're thinking of. me, one of the biggest ones is the plot with Maeve coming out mm. when they, like, <laughs> they sit her down and they're like, um, one of you is going to have to be butch because no one's going to accept a relationship with two feminine women. And then they're like pressuring her to like not be bisexual because it's confusing and people will like only accept lesbians. And it's like so just not true of like media in general, but also like specifically superhero stuff is like, uh, I'm not sure there's ever been two lesbians. Like I didn't watch every episode of Supergirl. So Alex, I'm not sure if uh, a couple of, if one or two of her girlfriends was a lesbian. And then I think Jessica Jones actually was all lesbians, but it's like overwhelmingly couples that are one bisexual woman and one lesbian woman. And also, there's been a really huge issue in sci-fi shows of uh, killing off the lesbian character (laughs) and letting the bisexual character live. So it just felt extremely shitty to do that and be like, no, no one could ever accept a bi woman. Yeah. Like, and has there ever been, like, a butch superhero no like they're all they're all just like wonder woman with different haircuts like the most the most like androgynous i can think of is like fucking um what's her name ruby rose (laughs) yeah and which i think like the whole thing was a response to batwoman i think that had like just been announced because they were like batwoman first lesbian superhero and i feel like without even looking into it they were like oh but there'd never be a bisexual superhero and it's like yeah legends of the lead character (laughs) and even like the one the one like hard femme uh, superhero I could pull is still like you know you put a wig on put a wig on Ruby Rose and and they will be indistinguishable yeah every other superhero (laughs) like it's just like Ruby Rose has short hair and like a leather jacket (laughs) there's there's never like a butch woman yeah that scene they like the the example they bring up a couple times in that plot is Portia and Ellen. Um, and which is just like weird to admit that like your one example, one is like from 15 years ago and two, you're like judging real person Ellen for <laughs> like enforcing gender stereotypes by wearing pants. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can to play devil's advocate. If they're just like, Portia and Ellen are a lesbian couple who sort of are like mainstream accepted by like even relatively hateful straight people. Um, Just being like, see, that's like the template. Yeah, I guess if they were like a little more like trying, like if the dialogue was a little more like, you know, we want moms in Idaho to accept you, Mm -hmm. that would make a little more sense. But like now you're like, like girl, girl huffers now are like, Kara Delevingne and Ashley Benson. Yeah. Like, they're so off the mark. Yeah. I remember back in, like, I don't know, 2010 or something, like, the first time I ever saw a lesbian couple on TV. Um, I can't remember who I was talking about. We'll say it was Brittany and Santana from Glee. It could have been anything. I was like, you know, it's actually kind of cool that they're, like, both really girly. Like, they're not, yeah. like, stereotypical lesbians. And you were like, 
Actually, I think you will find that those are the only <laughs> lesbian relationships you'll ever see on TV is like two very feminine women. And indeed, the prophecy was true. 21-year-old Lenny Burnham was much more insightful than the entire writing staff of The Boys in 2021. Yeah, that is like such a pet peeve of mine when sort of like people think about representation just through like stereotypes because it's like I get how in an abstract way stereotypes are bad but then when you really think about it you're like oh we never get to see like butch women we never get to see like poor illegal Mexican immigrants as opposed to like Mexican characters who are lawyers and doctors and stuff like you just gotta think about it for a little longer yeah it's like everybody everybody's in the like Cosby show era of representation where it's like nope they never have interpersonal conflict they are upper middle class and and they're very approachable do you have did you have any other like satire that didn't land moments I think that's definitely the biggest one that I wanted to be sure to talk about oh and um in just in that same plot there's like uh later Maeve is sort of like spiraling and sleeps with a man and Ashley like shows up and is like oh no this is like terrible you can't be sleeping with men and that part just sort of like blew me away as someone who has been like actually paying attention to LGBT representation uh, for the past 20 years. Just like having the character who's like the equivalent of a development executive be like, a lesbian having sex with a man? No! No one will like that! We can't have that! Which is like, it's almost nice that we've come, <laughs> we've come far enough that people don't remember that for a long time you would only get media where lesbians have sex with men and like the kids are all right was like a huge awards bait movie right yeah yeah they really fucked up they really they could have just added in like one line where she's like it's not 2012 anymore people wouldn't get mad at a lesbian having sex with men but no they just have never ever in their lives thought about it yeah they really haven't yeah (laughs) yeah it's so weird because it's like well just like don't tackle it but they just they saw a picture of Ruby Rose as Batwoman, and they just lost their minds. They were like, we gotta tackle this. Yeah. Um, this is not the same thing. Um, this isn't exactly satire not hitting, but it is a little bit of, like, me sort of just being curious about the worldview of this show. Um, because when we're first introduced to The Deep, he is just a full-on Me Too. Uh, and then very quickly that they do a hard pivot that it took me a few episodes to catch up with. I was like, okay, he's like sad right now, but he's still like a full-on sex pest is like his main thing. But then I was like, oh no, like he's, that was how we are introduced to him. And then he like hits rock bottom and is like, that was, I, that was wrong. I just want my life back. Um, but the moment where I have, where I'm kind of curious what the show is doing is, um, so the deep sexually assaults Annie in the pilot. And then like the next episode or a couple episodes later, he gets basically like sexually assaulted by a woman. It's much on a later. Date. It's like okay. towards the end of the season. Oh, okay. So several episodes later, he gets like sexually assaulted. And I just really feel, I just get the vibe that the show was like because like now we're even like now you can now the deep can be like a pretty sympathetic character because he did a sexual assault but one got did to him so now we're like 
now we can move forward. I might be projecting, but I feel like there's sort of a weird, a weird morality happening in the show there. What do you, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I think the deep storyline is pretty odd in that way. Sometimes it almost feels like, you know how in Gossip Girl, like, Chuck is a rapist in the pilot, and then it's it's like literally like oh that didn't happen. Yes. Like pilots are weird. Right. Chuck's mo- that's true. Yeah. yeah. Like you're like Chuck's mother is also alive in the pilot, and she's dead the next episode. Yeah. Pilots are weird. Um, but that's like clearly not what's happening with the boys, even though it like does feel like that sometimes. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's very strange. Like there. Uh, for most of it, I think it's, like, very good how it's, like, you know, unrelated, he is sad, and Mm -hmm. I, you know, I can totally see you being, like, well, like, I don't care, and I don't want to watch those scenes, because, like, this was how you introduced him, like, I'm sure there are people who feel that way, and I think that's, like, very valid, um, but it, uh, I, I always liked how in season one it felt like the show wasn't too much like, oh, his sadness is like causing this the way they do with some characters. And then in season two, when he goes into therapy, uh, I found it a little annoying that they were kind of trying to like directly connect these things. And I was like, I don't know. I think that he, uh, you know, assaults women because he's a bad person and unrelated has like a lot of insecurity about his body. Like I didn't like when they threaded that needle. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think this scene uh, you're talking about with that woman is like very strange because the sort of dialogue that she has is like so specific that like I always expect it to, to be more like a reveal of like, you know, she knows who he is and she's like doing this out of vengeance. Mm. But then that's like not her motivation. Yeah, but she's but like her dialogue. Yeah. Her like dialogue feels like very specific in like a weird way. Um yeah, it's a it's a super weird scene and like I in some ways I really like it and really respond to it. Like um I you know as a transgender person like the fact that she's doing that because his body is strange, I find very, like, powerful. But, yeah, there's something, like, super weird about how it feels like, yeah, like you said, like, the show sort of, like, getting revenge or, like, yeah, like, trying to make things even. Um, yeah, it's it's strange. Um, I do, one thing I do sort of like about that scene and um yeah i have super mixed feelings about it but like one thing i like about that scene and also there's an earlier scene that's much goofier but like a he's driving around with a uh, dolphin and the (laughs) dolphin starts like trying to pressure him into sex which is like a real thing dolphins do if they could talk to us they would be saying that stuff yeah um (laughs) but like what i find so interesting about those two scenes is that the deep's responses are very sort of like stereotypically what we would associate with women yeah. because like he's not being overpowered. Like he could get out of those situations, but he's very like either freezing up or like trying to be accommodating, which I just think is like so interesting about his character. But I feel like it's almost something that like, I think um, the writers are like not aware of. Um, 
It's like, yeah, it's like hard to unpack his character because there's like a lot of interesting stuff and like some of it is him and then some of it feels like inconsistencies. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, um, yeah, it may have sounded like I don't like the scene where he's sexually assaulted, but I do, I feel like you. I have very mixed feelings about it. I do think it's like powerful and I hadn't thought about it through like a transgender lens, but that's really interesting. Um, I totally see that. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. I've always I always sort of feel when I think about that scene of like, and it, it sounds so like blame the victim me to say this, but like he's not only like a strong man, but like literally a superhero. Yeah. Like why doesn't he push the girl off? But it's like, you, it's not always about like physical strength. You know, it's like a social emotional thing. And yeah, sometimes you freeze up. You just be accommodating to get out of it. And it is a really interesting aspect of his character. Um, and it also, yeah, is kind of sloppy and weird. Um, yeah, it's there's not like an easy kind of one, one thing to take away from it. Um, but it's interesting. And I do, I do like, <laughs> I do like his relationship to sexual violence. Like it's very, it's very complicated. Yeah. He also, another thing I find really interesting about him um is like in the two episodes sort of after what happens between him and annie and the pilot um there's like another episode where him and annie are out on a mission and he's really just like talking to her like he's like talking to her about his problems and like really just like expecting her to like respond normally and he's like it seems like very earnestly like what like what's wrong and then um there's like a similarly a scene where Ashley tells him that she's putting him on leave and uh and she's like it's because of Starlight and he's like what what did I do to Starlight and I think like that I really enjoy that aspect of him just like truly not understanding and I almost like the I almost feel like the original scene with the um uh coercive sex feels like a little wrong when you uh when you consider all the other stuff not that I think he wouldn't do that but like the way it's executed I feel like he is so sort of like really powerful and like really like saying these things of like oh you'll like be punished and like I'm gonna do this and like very sort of like calmly and vindictively and I feel like the type of guy we see him to be later on, it would be much more like oblivious. Um, like there is something that has like happened to me in my life so much is like, not even like days later, like uh, that scene with Starlight, but like immediately I'll be like, I didn't want that. And the guy's just like immediately like, what? Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, that feels very real. Yeah. For sure. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like he would be such a better commentary on like a really specific type of guy if like that original scene had been um more just sort of like and i and like it is would be hard to write a scene like this and make it clearly non-consensual but just like yeah the way guys will just like genuinely not know that they are like currently committing a crime yeah yeah and i yeah i wonder if they had the pilot to do over if they would sort of reimagine him because it, it feels like they very quickly move away from sort of the way that 
he's portrayed in the pilot. Like, yeah. You never really see that from him again. Because it is, yeah, like, literally, now that we've read the comic, we know it is, like, literally a Homelander scene. So it, like, <laughs> yes. genuinely does not fit his character. Yeah. 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 And it is, like, the way he behaves in that scene is, like, pretty close to the way that the, the three characters um, uh, behave in the comic. Um, but then, like, yeah, the, the show just moves in, like, a totally different direction from the comic and, and becomes very different. So, yeah, I feel like that is sort of part of just the character not being, like, all the way figured out yet. Yeah, it's... I feel like we're in such an interesting era where, like, it used to be in pilots, you know, it would fully be, like they have a brother you never see again. And, like, that doesn't happen anymore. But, like, when you look closely, you can still be like, oh, like, that was a different guy. Like, they didn't yeah. have this character plan. Yeah, it's interesting. It does feel like the show feels accountable for the deep in the pilot. And then, like, you know, maybe decided they wanted to move him a different direction. And they're like, okay, so he lied when he said he was second in command. And, <laughs> like, you know, he does this because of his body dysmorphia. And, like, he gets sent out of the state, like, they're really quickly like, okay, how do we, how do we justify that? Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting. What a, what a time to be alive. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've seen this happen, like, an unfortunate amount in TV where there's like um someone is like a monster like a you know a rapist and they're like oh shit we like cast the funnest guy like that guy's <laughs> so fun and so you're just like see it be like well that's our friend Dave who did those horrible things in season one and I feel like the boys is like a pretty good version of that because like the, you're, they're never like the deep is a good guy you know they don't like pivot into being like oh is he actually starlight's true love the way that like yeah. some shows do with these terrible characters so uh since we just finished talking about your number one boy the deep <laughs> uh we let's uh talk for a little bit about uh my number one boy homelander and uh, katie mm-hmm I'm so happy that you slightly prefer the deep because it really takes me back to like uh, elementary school when like you and your friend would have crushes on different Backstreet Boys members. You're like, oh, when we meet the Backstreet Boys members, we won't have to fight. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a body dysmorphia girl or a mommy issues? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's you just can't lose. <laughs> um. But yeah, I feel like uh, Homelander to me is the biggest like driving force of the show. Um, uh, Because yeah, like so uh, the world is just so dependent on his whims uh, and sort of he's the character who they kind of have to... uh, count on they they have to like do the most work to explain like why he is and is not killing people uh he's, he's just the heart of the franchise yeah yeah i i mean i fucking love homelander i'm so glad that they that they decided to take him in a very specific direction <laughs> um and i didn't i don't think i 
I don't think I picked up on this the first time I watched the pilot because I had already seen some like out of context Homelander clips. Um, so I knew that he was scary. <laughs> I didn't pick up on this the first time I watched the pilot because I had already seen some scary Homelander clips out of context. So I already knew he was like a villain. Um, but I feel like this time they, they like say, I realized they like save the reveal that Homelander is maybe the worst of them <laughs> for the very, very end. Um, because they like, they like go to the den of depravity where all the superheroes go to like do drugs and, and fuck. And, and Butcher's like, oh, Homelander doesn't count. Homelander's, Homelander's different. Um, but it just turns out like, oh yeah, Homelander doesn't do drugs or have sex, but he does like murder uh, <laughs> a family <laughs> by shooting their airplane out of the sky because of like a minor business dispute. <laughs> like, did I miss it? The, he, that was like a pretty low stakes disagreement, well, wasn't it? He said that he knew about Compound V and would expose it. Right, but she, but they had gotten to like a, an uneasy agreement of like you're not gonna tell anybody, right? And he's like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna tell anybody. Um, yeah, and then Homelander just fucking murdered that guy <laughs> and his child, <laughs> and that's like the that's the final beat of the show. It's like, oh yeah, no, he's like he's like clean cut in a like Norman Bates way. Like he will murder you for mommy. Since it was fresh in my mind, um, this rewatch, I was like, oh, Homelander reminds me so much of Madison Cawthorn. Like he's just like, guys, don't do cocaine orgies. But then he's a terrible person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's a great move to be like a whole... Homelander's not like the rest of them. And like, oh no, because he's like much scarier. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think um, uh, is her name Madison, or am I just thinking Madeline. that because of Madeline? Okay, Madeline. Um, Madeline. So we didn't get that far in the comics, but I know you told me that the equivalent to Madeline's character is a man in the comics. That's uh, according to our friend Liam Senior. Yes. Thank you, Liam Senior. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure he knows what he's talking about. Um, yeah, I think presumably the <laughs> the sexual overtones are not there in their relationship. Although I would love it if they were. Um, and I just think that that was an incredibly an incredible move, an incredible smart move. <laughs> yeah, I love that Homelander is like extremely down bad. I'm like, yeah, on this like rewatch, it really stood out to me like. You see a lot of, like, when Madeline rejects him, he'll, like, go to Maeve and be like, hey, should we date again? And you're just like, this is so sad. Yeah, he is such a little dweeb, and unfortunately, he also has the power of a god. <laughs> yeah, I I really love uh, the commentary of having, like, the most evil person um the like most powerful person, his entire end game is just like having a strong personal brand, which I feel like uh, the whole like personal brand thing is such a big part of our, it's such a huge part of our lives. And I feel like um, media has not really taken that on that much. Like there's like scream four, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think that's like so smart that like in, um, 
you know, in I think episode two of the new season, he's like ready to kill everybody. And then Ashley's like, oh, you went up like eight approval points. And he's like, oh, eight. That's so many approval points. (laughs) And I think the commentary is just so smart. One of my favorite scenes is when Homelander and Maeve are on that plane and Maeve is trying to convince him to save two of the children because it's it's at a point where like he's explained like he genuinely can save everyone. Um, So she's like, okay, you can you can fly. You can take these two kids with us. Um, And uh, Homelander is like, no, like they'll tell everyone what happened here. And I think like that scene hits so hard because you're like, yeah, if you're like thinking about maintaining your brand, like that makes sense. And it just like really hits you that you're like, oh, like maybe brand stuff and publicity stuff is like quite bad if that would make it make sense to like not save as many people as you can. Right, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is really good. We He is like the first great personal branding villain. <laughs> and, and um, I, I uh, said this to you before, but I just love that the boys uh, is like, look, uh, terrorists, you know, let's hear them out. They're not truly evil, like, marketing people. (laughs) Yeah, it really is, like, fun and exciting how how willing the boys is to hear the terrorists out. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, you don't see enough. (laughs) We can edit that out. Don't have to. (laughs) No, but it is, it is, like, a show that despite being like very very cynical and and mean also is like you know most people have a point not the US military or or, or Marvel but most people yeah. um and i think uh the show does a really good job of mixing uh satire and also like really interesting personal character stuff and for me i think like the best example of that is uh the relationship between homelander and stormfront Mm. i think it's definitely like very smart commentary on like how people can slip into like being complicit uh in white supremacist stuff that feels very relevant and then at the same time it's just like a very human plot of Homelander just being like, I found a girl who likes me. I gotta make this work. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like it really sums up what I love about that plot and that relationship in season three when she's like on her in her hospital bed and she's like, yes, you are the Ubermensch. You will be the beginning of the race of perfect men. And he's like... <laughs> You don't need a race of perfect men. It's just me. I'm perfect. Just me. And they're just like, you know, equally, equally depraved. But, but she's, she's got her Nazi plans and he's like, no, I'm special boy. I'm the special boy. Yeah. I really love that Homelander is like, as annoyed by her Nazism as, like, if your girlfriend was really into the Kardashians. Yes. <laughs> um, I really love the moment when she's talking to Homelander's son and she brings up white genocide. <laughs> and it's it's so great because, like, obviously it is, like, horrible to be complicit in Nazism and is, like, 
essentially, I mean, I think equally bad, like you're still like letting Nazi stuff happen. Um, but just like in that moment, just like from a relationship perspective, I think it is kind of his most human moment that he's just like weird, but yeah. I don't want to say anything. Yeah, he's like, I thought I thought we agreed no Nazi talk today, but like, okay, yeah, the, those are really great Homelander moments. It's like, well, I love her. Women, they're Nazis. <laughs> Yeah, those two, I think they're going to make it. They're, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're such a great couple. Um, oh, did, were you going to... I was just going to say, it's it's also, I don't know, just like really, really sums up Homelander for me when he gets the news that Stormfront killed herself by biting her own tongue off in her hospital bed where she's, a, where she's fully paralyzed. And he's like, she wouldn't do that. It's my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so sad. And also like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. But it, it's like both of those things. He's really, in a lot of ways, like a toddler. Yeah. He's, and he just has, he, he, he loves mommy, but he also ha- throws fits. Then unfortunately he can end the world. <laughs> um, so, yeah, since we're talking about Stormfront, um, she is an interesting character to me because I feel like when they set her up, and it might have been, this might have been because it was spoiled uh, for me and I, like, kind of knew what was coming, but I felt like her character in the, like, fake out when she's just, like, a cool Portland girl, I thought was, like, really bad. Like, I found that part, like, insufferable. <laughs> I don't know how you felt. I liked her. She was kind of, I felt like she was kind of just acting like her, you're the worst character, you know? She's like, she's like, oh, fuck you, assholes. I'm going to go, I'm going to go get drunk all <laughs> Like, I don't know. It just felt like Gretchen to me, basically. Um, and I knew, I also knew that the Nazi stuff was coming and was sad about that because, yeah, I thought, she, I, I don't know. I thought she was fun. Like, you know, the fact that she's like, everybody else here is an uptight prick and you are all so boring. I was like, it's fair. Like, yeah, they are. Um, yeah, I don't know. She didn't annoy me, really. I, right. I, I thought she seemed fun. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like she had sort of this, like, commentary on, like, white feminism or, like, cool girl stuff that never really, like, landed. Um, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that Aya Cash brought a lot of goodwill um, <laughs> because I, I really like You're the Worst a lot. I know you do as well. Um, but I, I think, you know, had it been a different actress, I may easily have been annoyed by her, but I was just like, Aya Cash, get in work. And, and I, I don't do know, she worked she for me. Work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as soon as, like, we get the reveal that she's a Nazi and she's in love with Homelander. Then I think it's like great. I think like that's the best part of that season and like their relationship is so fun and yeah, I think sort of her um her sort of overall theme of that plot that she eventually like straight up articulates where she's like they yeah, they agree with all my ideas, they just don't like the word Nazi is like very on point. Yeah. Um yeah, I think uh, definitely in the second half. I think that's a great character. Although I do still am always like not fully convinced that like she would want to join the Seven and that Stan Edgar would want her in the Seven. I kind of think Stan Edgar 
is like the worst character personally. Yeah. I feel like they're leaning on Giancarlo a lot. They really but, are. Like, yeah, <laughs> but like he just like in all of his scenes with Homelander, I'm like Homelander should like just kill him. Like there's no yeah. reason like it like in the most recent episode like Homelander has a line where he's like I was already always intimidated you by you, but I don't know why and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know why either." <laughs> it's like so weird. Yeah. It's a shame because like I think Homelander killing Madeline at the end was it at the end of season mm-hmm. one? Yeah, I think that that was like a really great season ender, mm-hmm. but it re- it really left like a power vortex in the middle of the yeah. show, and poor Stan Edgar had to step in to fill it. And like, there's no like there's no emotional stakes in that for Homelander. Like Stan Edgar is not his emotional daddy. He's just like some suit. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. It, I feel like in every Stan Edgar scene, I can really feel the show trying to feel the, fill the void left by Madeline, and it's just not, it just doesn't work quite as well. Yeah. Um, and, like, they try to sort of have him, like, contrast with Madeline and uh, be doing a different strategy by just being like, oh, Homelander, like, you're nothing. I don't care about you. And you just sort of feel like, I get how that's, like, cool for, like, this like regular like five seven old man to be able to like look Homelander in the eyes and say that it's like theoretically that's like cool but I also don't know why it would work (laughs) yeah I mean the easy solution would be for Homelander to be into him sexually yes come on they fucked up (laughs) they fucked up I feel like the the first season finale and the second season finale are almost opposites for me in the sense that like I think the end of the first season finale is so just like cool to watch. Like you see Homelander kill Madeline. You see him go like tell his son like, hey, great, I'm your son. And you're just like watching this actual episode. Uh, Not so much the first like half hour. I realized on rewatch that it drags and I'm only thinking of the ending when I remember being cool. Um, But like you watch the ending of that episode and you're just like, this is like so cool. I love like watching this. And then the end of the season two finale is very much like, we are setting up next season. We are doing all these things to promise you that next season will be good. I can't remember it as as clearly as you. What happens at the end? They of reveal two? that like they reveal Vicky is exploding heads, right. and right. that comes off like right after her like offering Huey the job and right. him being like, "Great, I'll have my like life together again." And I do think they did a really great job of resetting because <laughs> like in uh, when I rewatched season two, I was like oh, maybe they're not good at story, even though I like the show. Um, but I do feel like season, th- the like very end of season two and the beginning of season three like did everything I would have suggested to like make it continue as a show, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you want to just keep going by like character, uh, you want to talk about Maeve a little bit? Sure. Um... I, my feeling about Maeve is mostly that, um, I think she fills out the room nicely. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm never, like, upset to see her in a scene. Um, whenever it's, like, a Maeve plot, I have, it's a real snooze fest. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I, early on, I really liked her, um, and I feel like her 
relationship with Homelander in season one captured something really interesting and she almost reminds me a little bit of like Sansa Stark mm-hmm. um, in that plot where like she is like technically being a passive character but you see sort of the like the resilience that it takes to survive and just sort of like that moment when Homelander like expresses interest in getting back together and you see her be like oh shit <laughs> like you see that like weighing on her and I think that is like something you don't see portrayed a lot because, um, you know, people who write visual drama are, like, rightfully uh, nervous about writing passive characters. But I think that is, like, such a just real thing of just, like, having to survive something and just, like, having to go along to get along. And you sort of uh, get that, like, interesting moment with Annie in the pilot where, like, instead of offering any real advice she's just like don't let them see you like this like that's her entire philosophy yeah. it's just like I just have to do whatever it takes to look and I think it um it captures a really interesting survival tactic that I think um a lot of people especially women have of like saying yes because if you say no then they can veto it and you'll be like reminded you have no actual agency so you're like okay if I say yes then it's like technically Mm -hmm. he's never like violated me which I think is like really interesting um and then I felt like as it went on they didn't so much like know what to do with her I think yeah the relationship with Elena I think is really bad like we at this point still have no idea like why they like each other or like what works in their relationship yeah Yeah, I think that's fair. I sort of felt like, I think I had a little bit of trouble, like, uh, acclimating (laughs) to, like, figuring out how to feel about the characters, because I I feel like I sort of went in, like, got it, like, the superheroes are evil, copy Mm. that, and then it was a while before before I was like, oh, okay, like, most of they're all, they all have like problems, but it's to like wildly different degrees. Yeah. Um, so for a while, I was like, oh, and you know, the the first like real thing we see Maeve do is be like, clean yourself up, <laughs> don't let them see you like this. I was like, okay, like, she's fully a cunt as well. <laughs> so like, I feel like I spent the the t- period of time that I think you're describing as her strongest period of time being like got it she's like a full on bitch <laughs> and we hate her um, so so it might it, it might be good for me to rewatch it um, feeling like I understand her as a character a little bit more because um, yeah I I was just like got it no emotional stakes here Copy that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is super fair and yeah I definitely didn't like like respond to her that much the first watch it was like this most recent watch that I was like oh she's like really interesting season one and I was sort of like oh like maybe like Maeve is like really interesting and I just overlooked it and then as it got more into the season two plots I was like oh no I didn't (laughs) take the time I know a lot I'll ask how you feel about this I know a lot of people who've been like wow like season two fixed everything and it really came into its own and like I'm definitely like I like season two it like has strong stuff I think like Stormfront and Homelander's relationship is great but I felt like 
season one like significantly more like knew what it was doing as a show yeah I feel like the show so far like started strong and has been on a steady decline yeah and that's not you know it's not that long so um could easily go back up but yeah I definitely feel like two is worse than one and three so far is worse than two (laughs) on the whole yeah I feel like something that happens a lot with tv is people will mix up like the show getting good with just like them like locking into like what's going on Mm. and being like oh I like know who all these people are now um but yeah I I feel like the the second season is definitely a step down um the first time I liked it more on rewatch the first time I watched it I was truly like oh no I like only care about the deep that's not good and then like sort of on rewatch I was like okay that's because, like, the plot isn't great and the deep isn't, like, weighed down by the plot. That makes sense. Um, here's what I'll say about Maeve. Whenever we see her in street clothes, she looks phenomenal. Yeah. When they... she's in, like, a fucking sweater, mm. 10 out of 10. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is on purpose. It probably is because I know, like, the art style in the comic is, like, so abrasive (laughs) like uh like even characters who are clearly supposed to be attractive like I'm sure Starlight is like meant to be a pretty girl but like god everything's like so hideous yeah Um, everything looks like shit for sure um and I feel like on the show their costumes are like quite terrible (laughs) um especially like A-Train I think is the worst (laughs) like I, I remember like telling you I think he's like ugly and then the first time I saw him in street clothes I was like okay this actor is like not a bad looking guy it doesn't help to have that like uh like dicky slash jowl strap that they love getting superheroes that like um Falcon in the MCU has too yeah yeah A-Train's costume kind of reminds me of like the old Captain America costume, like the original one. Yeah, like the, the straps and and, <laughs> and just like bright blue and white. Like, yeah, ugly. Um, and yeah, I do wish uh, that there were like more modifications and like different costumes. Like when they go to a like red carpet event, I'm like, why can't they have their formal oh, version yeah. of their costume? And like, why can't they have like their summer beach day costume that That would be be so fun but like yeah they're truly like it's just this bad outfit every moment you see me forever (laughs) yeah (laughs) that oh that talking about the costumes reminded me another time when I thought the satire was pretty disappointing is like the plot where they make starlight's costume sexier I think it like works for her character like I like seeing her like feeling like awkward and vulnerable in it um I always like enjoy when we get to see a female character be like I feel weird in this because like so often movie and tv characters will just be like oh yeah I'm in a swimsuit and teals and it's great it's fine like that's not at all a burden um but I felt like the scene where the writers are like yeah you're like a strong woman now so you're gonna wear this sexy costume I thought was like pretty dated commentary I was like I feel like I've seen this sincerely I've seen the commentary on this I've seen this from every angle and we just don't need to talk about 
badass women in sexy costumes ever again. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. <laughs> and it's also just, like, annoying that, like, throughout the show, you still do, like, genuinely see, like, shots of the actress's ass, and it's like, okay, well, you can't be like, oh, look at my smart commentary, but you are, like, looking at a hot girl's <laughs> ass now. <laughs> I feel like that's the classic move. Yeah. That's how you have it both ways. <sighs> I hate that she's wearing this. I hate that she has to do this. I guess uh, we, you know, we talked about the seven a fair amount. We should talk about the titular boys. Um, I know, like, I personally, uh, that, like, doesn't work as much for me. Um, I like Huey, especially in season one. Um, In season one, I feel like he his relationship with Starlight is much more appealing because they captured that, like, guys want a girl to kick their ass. And I thought that was very refreshing. And in season three, when he's like, I can't open a jar, but you can. It's like, shut up. You have a hot girlfriend. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, I, I feel like I'm usually pretty bored by the, like, attractive straight couple at the center of whatever given piece of media we're talking about um but yeah i feel like i feel like those two have good chemistry and 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 i do find huey pretty charming and you know i feel like the way that they play up his like love of billy joel is i don't know it's just fun it's a cute it's a cute dimension to him um yeah he's like that kind of character is often a snooze and too much of a clear like viewer this this guy could be you um but yeah Huey's Huey's a, a fun character I think he's yeah. played really well I think he's really likable um yeah I'm into him yeah I think they avoided a lot of the sort of traps of that kind of character like they don't have him feeling like entitled to Starlight because he's a nice guy and he's not like the other guys she's met they don't have him like uh as sort of like a fanboy stand-in who just like tells you how cool everything is. Um, yeah, I definitely think they like uh, avoided a lot of stuff so you can just be like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes I do like watching a nice guy. He is nice. Yeah. Oh, they don't, ha- and like, I feel like they get a good amount of nuance where like sometimes the nice character is like way too much like, guys, if we kill Homelander, we're as bad as him. And they, like, avoided it where it's like, okay, he's nicer than Butcher, but he's not, like, insane about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're also, there's just a level of, like, charm that I feel like the Huey of the comic does not have. He's just, I don't know, I can't exactly put my finger on what's wrong with Huey in the comic uh, other than he's really ugly. He's Simon Pegg. He's drawn to look exactly like Simon Pegg, except, like, much worse. Like, uh, Simon Pegg going through it. Um, but that's not, like, it. He's just, like, he's just, he's just, like, shitty. He just sucks. I don't know. He's, like, he's a sewer mutant boy. I hate him. Um, <laughs> yeah, they really, um, they really upgraded him to, like, yeah, I'd sit next to that guy on the bus. That's fine. Yeah, and also just, like, on a basic story level, like, on the comic, I feel like you're like, why does Butcher want this guy around? Like, it just literally makes no sense. And I think, like, it was so smart when they wrote the pilot to be like, he saw an opportunity to have Huey literally, like, walk in and place something on a table and then never work with him again. And you're like, yes, 
That is what you would recruit Huey for, the placing something on a table job. Yes, that made, yeah, yeah. I I hadn't remembered that that was what the pilot did um, until we rewatched it after I'd read the comic. And I was like, yeah, of course. Why the fuck did they recruit him? They recruited, like, like Butcher is working with, like, the three most badass killers in all of London or whatever. And Huey. For like no reason. Yeah, it was a great it was a great move um, for him to be like, I have one errand for you. <laughs> and then to just like end up continuing to work with him. Yeah. And then um well we're we're talking about the boys. I guess we ought to talk about Butcher. I just have very little patience for him. I do think they get some like obviously like very cool scenes out of you know just sort of how far he's willing to go and i will do anything it's like okay i get his utility um but i would definitely kill him in a heartbeat yeah that's fair and i think that the <laughs> like him in season three now where he's doing the like 24 hour v just feels like very weird yeah it's very weird it was such a quick turnaround from like kill all soups yeah you, if even if you're an infant and you're a soup you're garbage to me i will grind you under my hill being like well i gotta take the i gotta get superpowers so to fight evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're and i mean you know sometimes people say one thing and then they do the opposite thing sure but there was like not a quality justification in there it was just like oh well i actually need it now I need, I need to use it, so I'm going to use it. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, it actually makes a lot more sense what the comics did that just, like, he's been using it as, like, a steroid all along. At least it's like, okay, that's part of his thing. It's much weirder to have him be, like, come out of the gate super anti-soups and then just start juicing up. <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. Um, and then for me, um, I think Frenchie and Kamiko are probably the best part of like that group. Um, they're very cute. I this is such a weakness of mine. Um, like this is what I like so much about Stranger Things. But just like when someone meets a very very weird girl and is just immediately like, yes, weird girl, that's the one for me. No questions. I'm just. I'm on board. I that's just my favorite. I think like of like hetero ship dynamics. That's like <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> yeah, they are really cute, and um, and I really like Frenchie on his own, and I like yeah. Kamiko on her own as well. And I really thought I was so sure in the pilot that Kamiko they were like setting her up as like the like series villain. Oh. She was like this unstoppable killing machine. <laughs> like even scarier than any of the boys and then when it was like oh no she's just needed she just needed some understanding and she's our friend yeah. now it was like it genuinely blew my mind <laughs> and it was a, in a delightful way yeah. um yeah i really like both of those characters and i wanted to backtrack a little bit um oh, just yeah. to, uh about butcher i'm oh, sure now having read the comic Watching the pilot, I was like, oh, I like Butcher a lot more than I did before because TV show Butcher is so much better than comic Butcher. <laughs> That's true. Comic Butcher fucking sucks. He's so like an epic Elon Musk avatar <laughs> type guy, you know? He's he's so Pepe the Frog. Like he's he's just uh epic bacon. Yeah, he has like <laughs> Like, the whole weight of the comics, like, uh, commentary and satire is really on Butcher, but it's just, like, the most, like, 
oh, the, like, the FBI's bad. <laughs> like, it's just, like, so, like, basic and nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, part of it is just sort of culturally our idea of, like, what a cool guy is like has changed. And so, like, the butcher now is, like, updated to be more of, like, a contemporary cool guy and, like, still read as cool. But I was like, you know, he's actually, like... He's not my favorite character by a long shot, but like comparing him to the source material, I was like, you know, he's he's actually pretty funny. He's like pretty. He has like a certain kind of charm to him. Um, I really liked when Huey looked, said he looked like he was starring in a porn of The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> like he's he's a fun character, and I think the more the more serious he is, and the more we talk about his his deep emotional wounds, um, the the less I give a shit about him. But. You know, as just kind of like a depraved guy having a fist fight, I'm, I'm somewhat, I'm getting more on board with Butcher. That's fair. I will say the comic, just like the sort of like the way he's drawn and just like something about him, I was like, this role was was Dominic Purcell's. That was that, sh- <laughs> that should have been handed to him. I see that. Yeah, me too. Wow. Um. Oh, I was going to say also, like, it seems like in the comic, Butcher's, like, big thing is he's, like, superheroes are gonna get bad, like, any day now. (laughs) They'll start being bad, which is just so weird. And I think, like, again, I, like, the show just, I think, like, benefited so much from, like, everything that's happened in the culture. And I feel like after, like, Weinstein and stuff, it's, like, (laughs) they're able to much more be, like, no, they can have, like, been bad this whole time, and it just, like, they they could have been bad the whole time, and it just, like, wouldn't matter. Like, right. just, like, no one's talking about it. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Mother's, Mother's Milk. Milk. Yes. Uh, once you get past the terrible name. Awful. <laughs> I think he's also a very strong character. I'm glad they pivoted from his main trait being that his daughter is a slut. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I think it's, uh, it's good for the team to have sort of the, uh, the daddy and the mommy where he'll like stop and be like, Hey, Huey, you did a good job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like mother's milk and I really like his relationship to his wife now ex-wife. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because it just feels like whenever he comes in, he's like, I did it again. I'm committing I'm committing terrorism technically. Like there's just sort of a tone I always expect his his wife slash ex-wife um to take of like being like shrill, you know. Um and there's there's she just always has like a very understanding, like, okay, uh, you know I'm not crazy about it. I understand you've got your own thing. Like, she just, yeah. she feels like such a human, and I just feel like when you see conflict between, like, husband and wife, and the husband is, like, the POV character, like, you never really feel like the wife is, like, a human who you would ever want to be around. She's just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I really like that, even though she's a really minor character, you're like, she seems lovely. Even when they divorce, like, she still seems lovely. She's a very nice co-parent. Yeah, and I really like that it seems like her perspective is like you know I don't want to be married to someone who's doing this which is like reasonable but she kind of has like a great moment in season three where she's sort of like I mean you probably should go do this which I love like I think like it's very reasonable to be like look I fully have a boyfriend now so like you can do it (laughs) yeah yeah Mother's Milk is a good character um and just comparing him to his uh 
to his comic book equivalent, I think the show uh, portrays him much less racistly. Yeah. Um, I what I really noticed in the comic is that they're like he needs to talk in like African American vernacular English. And the way to do that is just to have him like say B a lot. Like every every single time he like says a sentence, it's like, don't be doing that. Don't be looking over there. Like, don't be giving me that. And it's like, that's not actually have you ever heard a black person talk? Yeah. It's <laughs> not that is not correct. <laughs> yeah, in fairness, I felt like the like uh Huey dialogue was like equally bad like it just feels like this whole the whole comic is just like you're gonna be a cartoon of like whatever you are that's a good point and it's uh, it's obviously like worse with like most uncomfortable reading with a black person but definitely like anyone who's not just like a generic American you're like let's calm down a little yeah. bit that is a good point the both Huey and Butcher like Butcher's like sign you but staff now basically um and, and yeah Huey is like a ridiculous cartoon of a Scottish person but also like if you've ever seen Scottish Twitter like they do kind of that they speak they're they're speaking their, their speech is wild so I was like I feel like the jury is out <laughs> Maybe they talk like that. Uh, but you are right that it's just like not, it's not a naturalistic piece of writing. <laughs> Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah. Um, those are all of the boys, right? Yeah, we, get, we, we did it. We did wow. the boys. Wow. While we're talking about the comic, can, can we just talk about some of the worst things? Or most baffling things in the comic? Absolutely. This is... Okay. All right. Well, first, let me start with this. (laughs) When Huey is like, oh, there's a little shih tzu over there. I hate small dogs. And Butcher, like, by means of introducing himself, is like, yeah, I also hate small dogs. Here's something that'll cheer you up. I'm going to have my big dog rape that little dog. Oh, God, yes. What the fuck is that? Like, the dog... (laughs) They didn't even set up the dog, like, deserving it. Like, the do- the little dog didn't, like, bite them. They were literally just like, I don't like small dogs. Yeah. So this dog deserves to get fucked by Terror the Bulldog. Uh, did not like that. But here's the worst thing in the comic. So after- so there's a whole, like, the the primary plot of the volume that we read was, like, is something that is not in the TV show of their, like, fighting this smaller, like, less prestigious oh, yeah. superhero. The, yeah, the pop, pop claw from the TV show is yeah. from that. Yeah. yeah, they include a little bit of that backstory um, because they have A-Train be like, oh, yeah, we had those days together um, when I used to be on that same team. Um, but they don't include, like, the other characters or this whole plot where the boys decide they have to take out teenage kicks as a team for like some reason i really didn't i, I think they're sure just what... sort of like going through superheroes like, like one by one, one yeah <laughs> great. okay great um and so in the in the big fight scene between the the by the way they say they, they're comparing the two like b-string superhero teams and they're like yeah this one's really clean cut and like wholesome and republican and this one's much more gen x and i was like well this comic is so old (laughs) it's from like 2004 i think so it's just like a little bit late to be talking about like gen x but 
right on the borderline. It's like releasing a comic now and being like, they're more millennial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so they have their fight with the teenage kicks and Huey accidentally kills one of them and the other teenage kicks heroes run off and then they find a hamster has crawled out of the dead superhero it seemed to me that the implication was out of his asshole that he had put this hamster into his asshole for sexual purposes which i don't believe anyone has ever done and I don't believe anyone would ever do before going off to a big super <laughs> And also part of it is that the hamster is like covered in duct tape and I don't think you can duct tape things up into your asshole. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And I was really excited that like everyone on Teenage Kicks is gay. Like the main guy is gay and then he's just like fucking all of them. And I thought that was great. And I was like, I almost wish these guys had made it into the show because they're all so gay. Um, but then <laughs> they had to put that fucking South Park level joke about a fucking hamster. And it really, Lenny, it really destroyed me. Yeah, it's super weird. I really don't know what to do with it. I just... Right? That was the implication, right? I honestly... So I'm pretty bad at reading comics I'm just like so bad at like processing visual information I I, like remember all the dialogue and that's like it so yeah I don't totally remember what's happening with the hamster I get that I I get that yeah no I mean I really sat (laughs) and tried to parse it because I was like this can't be that can't be it but there's not there's no other reading there's just no other reasonable reading he duct taped a hamster into his rectum and then went to have a superhero fight. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's upsetting. Yeah. And then Huey adopts the hamster. Huey keeps the hamster. That's nice, I guess. That's nice. <laughs> that was the word. I just needed to get that off yeah, my chest. That's totally fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like it was a shitty comic and then that really took it to a level of like unbelievably bad. Yeah. yeah I would just say um just sort of like bringing it back to the compare and contrast I think like like the show is so good at like having these moments where you're like that was like disgusting and upsetting but I gotta hand it to you like you like you want to be mad at them but then you're like oh you did a real good job at being gross yeah um when I first started watching it with you and uh like was no longer just alone in my shame in a cave watching it. I really was like, wow, this is gross. I had a really like, don't tell anyone how I live reaction watching it like with another person. (laughs) Um, But uh, like I, you know, I got over that. I think like seeing your, you know, you giggling with delight helped. Um, But yeah, they're just like so good at doing these sequences it sort of reminds me of like jackass a little Mm, bit mm -hmm. where you're like that was just objectively good like you cannot deny that that was a good scene no matter how much you may want to scoff at it yeah yeah the stuff that really the stuff on the show that like really gets me like really disturbs me the most 
is the just consistent fate of the sea creatures. It's so sad. I, much like the deep himself, I really have a soft spot for the creatures of the sea. And he really, he really connects with them on a level that he can't connect with any human. He has such a good rapport with sea animals. And every time you see him having a good relationship with a sea creature, it's just a setup for some horrible fate befalling yes. them. <laughs> and, like, I hate it, but... It's, like, pretty much always, like, oh, yeah, you got me. Like, it is a very, like, I gotta hand it to you kind of thing. And it's, like, I personally hate this and I'm truly suffering. <laughs> much like when Jackass does something with, like, human feces. <laughs> and yet I still am, like, I do gotta hand it to you. You did, you did yeah. stick the landing. It is so amazing to me what a good and fun character the deep is because i feel like just like all my life people have been like you aquaman's actually lame and i'm like just like shut the fuck up like it's not an interesting observation <laughs> and it's like not true um but uh the deep is like such a good uh sort of exploration of that because like what hits me so hard is that like his power means that there's like definitive proof of all sea creatures being able to like have conversations and you know like understand humor and all this stuff and like no one cares <laughs> and it's not that they don't believe him like no one is like you can't have conversations with that fish and i almost feel like the joke is more on um all those people all those years who have been like Aquaman's power is lame like it feels like the like bad people in this scenario are the people who will just be like shut up Kevin your power sucks whenever he's like you know the lobsters at Red Lobster are like being tortured <laughs> right yeah yeah and like when um when they find the the box that has um translucent bones in it or whatever and the deep is like a friend of mine saw this and then i think homelander is like it was a dolphin like <laughs> like why does that make it less impressive that is like legitimately a bird like it's embarrassing for him but why is that less impressive they legitimately helped they yeah. found this for him <laughs> like everybody everybody did a good job yeah and there's just like something so interesting about how like like, not only do they not support him helping the ocean, but, like, will actively have him be, like, the mascot for SeaWorld. It's yeah. just, like, so upsetting. Yeah. And I really, like... I mean, I don't like it. It really makes me sad. But I'm really affected by the through line of him, like... He will, he will really put himself out there for sea creatures, even when no one's watching. Like... Yeah. It's like all of his other superhero shit is just like for the glory, but he really does want to help the creatures of the sea, and it always results in their death. <laughs> like he yeah. cannot, he cannot get a break. And most of the time, it's not. He's like not. It's not that he's like bad at it. It's like the universe is conspiring <laughs> for all of his friends to be murdered in front of him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like it's oh, it's it's a gutting through line, but it is <laughs> effective, right? Yeah, because like when 
it's it's yeah, it's so interesting when people are like, oh, that's not a you know a cool power, like that's not like uh, gonna save the world like Superman. But like when he talks about it and is like, oh, one day just like everywhere I went, all the fish would be crying out about being tortured. You're like, oh yeah, that is what it would be like. It yeah. would just be like in the mall or like at a sushi restaurant or whatever. You would just always hear these people being like, help me, I'm like in a cage. Yeah. Um, which uh, just that reminds me like going bigger than just like the deep. Uh, I really like uh in this world how um you know everyone got their powers because of their parents cooperating with Vought um like it's so interesting that uh all of these people were basically like raised by the kind of people who would become stage parents (laughs) like it didn't it didn't hit me at first and like when Maeve talks about her dad I had a moment of being like oh it's weird that he sounds so much like Annie's mom and then I was like oh yeah since it's like whoever wants a super kid it's just like all they're all Michael Jackson's dad raising all of these superheroes and I really love that about this world yeah yeah which reminds me it just occurred to me the other day you know in um in this season they like went to that was it last season boy who knows but they at at some point um Huey goes to that like orphanage for Mm. for soups it was this season right um and Teddy is there and I and it only occurred to me like way after the fact that like oh that means that Madeline was like injecting him with that stuff um yeah, it, but like, that's, that's, it just surprised me. That didn't seem like something she would do. He is young enough, though, that it also could have been, like, she wasn't, but then, like, after she died, they were like, oh, well, we got this baby. We might as well, like, do this with this baby. Yeah, that is fair, but then also, like, if they had plans for the baby, why would then he just be, like, in the orphanage? Mm. You know, those are just, like, kids that are waiting to be placed in homes. They're not, like, kids being tested or whatever. But, I mean, maybe they thought that they could use him for their experiments, and then they were like, oh, turns out you're a flop, and then they put him in the orphanage. <laughs> yeah. that could, that could I mean, be. it doesn't take them that long to get powers, it doesn't seem like. So, you know, they could have, yeah. like, fucked him up, let him get adopted, he killed his adopted parents, got to the orphanage, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's but, fair. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm curious it's about It's definitely Teddy. a different, it's, yeah, it's an interesting detail, and, like, I definitely think they're gonna follow up on it because of like how obviously the the person was like Teddy Stillwell you know the normal thing of calling a four-year-old by their full name (laughs) (laughs) oh another um plot I wanted to talk about is sort of like uh what was the main backstory driving it for a long time Uh, is that Homelander uh raped uh Butcher's wife and in a flashback that feels a little bit maybe non-canonical, Butcher in this flashback is like, Homelander doesn't write his own tweets, but that's a lie. And you're like, I don't know if someone goes from that to Butcher in like however many years, t- 10, 8 years. Yeah. I don't know. yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, like that's interesting because sort of similar to, to the deep and the pilot, actually, I'm always like, feel like Homelander wouldn't do that like he has such a sort of specific mo with women where he gets like sort of like obsessed with them and just like the way he has a one night stand with Becca just feels like weird um but it's also something where I don't know if there is like genuinely more to the story because they haven't shown it so they could like 
have reveals coming up. Yeah, that the fact that we never see like what happened in the room um, definitely makes me feel like yeah, like there's more to the story and like what we've been told is not what happened because I agree. Homelander seems like a very specific kind of rapist, not the kind of rapist who would like lure you into his office after hours and like rape you one time and then like never want to think about you again. Like he's much more. um, He's like a stalker type. Like he's like a very like controlling husband type. Yes. Yeah. He's yes. Even, a, like, like even with someone like boyfriend, yeah, like even with like people like Maeve and Starlight, where you're like, I don't think he's like literally even like attracted to them. Like you yeah. see him always be like, I'm keeping tabs on you. Yes. And I mean, I they do like hide Becca from him, but I think that must have been like that must have like taken a while because um, she, you know, obviously like knew she was pregnant, mm-hmm. and the baby seemed to be like kicking. I mean, like super babies are different, so I don't know if he was kicking age at the time. Um, but uh, it still feels like Homelander should be, I don't know, like carrying a torch. Like there should be like more. It is, it does feel like such a like random, like one night, one time thing yes. for him. Yeah, it feels, yeah, it feels very random. Um, and, and it just feels like the show has never been like, oh, well, we're not going to show this because... <laughs> That would be tasteless about anything else. Um, so, like, yeah, the fact that we haven't seen anything um, other than her going into the office and then coming out looking like messed up, um, yeah. That I, I, I also, I feel like there's something going on there because it feels out of character and it's like weirdly in limbo. Um, and if if there's not anything else going on on there, um, yeah, I don't think that's quite canonical. I'll accept <laughs> it. We can move forward, but that's weird (laughs) it's a weird choice yeah that's what I thought like at first I was just like oh they're just like putting in this backstory because it's like the backstory they need for this story to happen but like as I thought about it more I was like oh no I think there's like genuinely like more explanation yeah Yeah. Yeah. I mean I guess if they like if they really wanted to build a case for it like if if they were like you know Homelander had a really bad day and he was feeling really (laughs) powerless and he was like I'm gonna take this out on somebody and then he talked to her at the park like I could see a chain of events that would lead to him doing this sort of like uncharacteristic thing but it's just like so weird it's so weird and specific it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel in character and also on that storyline, I just uh, do really like it in season two when we have a season of just Homelander trying to be a dad. Yeah, that is good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. 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 It really, really tickles me when he shoves his kid off the roof. <laughs> and and it tickles me when it seems like his kid has died from that. Um, it, it's a relief that he doesn't. But, <laughs> but I, you know... The homelander would would shove his kid off the roof and and break his neck and move on pretty quickly, yeah. um, <laughs> which reminds me that when um, what's her name Becca, mm-hmm. um, when Becca goes back to the people in power I can't remember who they are uh, to be like you have to get rid of Homelander he's like harassing me and my child and they're like there's not really anything we can do. Our best bet is he's going to get bored with this pretty soon. <laughs> it's like, they have a pretty good read yeah. on Homelander. Yeah, I love that that is like, 
the only strategy with Homelander. Like, we see that with Maeve, obviously. Just, like, people are just like, all right, well, hopefully he finds a new project. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just that that Simpsons line where Marge is like, well, usually your dad gives up when he finds something good on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I was going to say, there are, like, a few few ways in which Homelander feels very Trumpian and I feel like that is a big one of like you know he's probably not gonna remember (laughs) that he threatened to bomb Korea tomorrow so let's just not bring it up (laughs) also look it may not be cool to side with Homelander and Stormfront on or anything. I'm listening. Uh, that moment where they reveal that, like, the kid hasn't been exposed to, like, any media aimed at young boys and just watches, like, movies his mom likes, like, the blind side. I was like, that's weird. That Becca, you do weird. not have a reason to do that. That is really Because it, like, makes sense to, like, hide superhero stuff from him. But Stormfront mentions, like, I think, like, Madden, and he, like, doesn't know Madden. Yeah. Weird. It is weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any big stuff I wanted to cover before we wrap up. Hmm. I'm not really coming up with anything. All right. Well, do you want to get into rating? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I am going to give... The boys, the TV show. Um, you know, when we started rewatching season one, I was like, wow. I I was like, I knew I liked this show, but this is really like a good show. And then I started to get a little less thrilled by it as it went on. Um, but I'm going to give it a solid four stars. And then the boys comic boy it just you know it felt like uh sort of like the random comics you would see online in like 2006 where you're just like oh this this was like three panels where someone stabbed a hooker and that's like supposed to be fun and cheeky (laughs) like it really just took me back in a terrible way i'm gonna give it one star very good very good um I, yeah, I think that the boys TV show starts out really strong, um, then does like kind of progressively lose steam. Again, that's not definitive. It's still a living text. Um, But just sort of taking everything that there is of the show so far, I'm going to give it three stars but that's a three stars that does not tell the whole story for there are highs and there are lows um and i do recommend it i especially recommend season one um uh but yeah i'll give the i'll give the show as a unit three stars um and the comic i don't know why i felt compelled on my goodreads to give it one and a half stars not one star i guess i just really like to reserve that one star for 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 something truly odious. And yet, what could be more odious than a superhero called Blarney Cock duct taping a hamster into his rectum to go fight a fight? So, you know what? One star is, <laughs> is correct. Yeah, one star. That, I hope this is okay, everyone, if I go back and talk about something I wanted to talk about the comic, because uh, you reminded me. Um, it's just so weird how, like, their big plan with uh, Teenage Kicks is to, like, 
black like expose them but they're like exposing like crimes and being gay like equally yeah. <laughs> and I get how like by any means necessary it's like okay if you say someone is gay and that like takes them out of power there could be a context where that like is the best move but like it's just so weird how it's like not discussed and it's just like yeah we're blackmailing you for manslaughter and sucking dick yeah <laughs> Yeah, crimes being gay and cutting yourself. Yes! <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that, you know, there's similar stuff on the show and very much in real life where it's like, you know, you know, you can get canceled for ripping up a picture of the Pope, but not like serial rapes. Like, it's like, sure, that is a very real thing, but it just like doesn't feel at all disgusting. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I would say the comic... Is not does not rise to the level of exploring those nuances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like so weird that it's like who watches The Watchmen? These people who will out a bunch of gay teens, <laughs> and also yeah, teens who cut themselves. <laughs> um. Anyway, so that was the rating portion. Uh. So let's end with a little recommendation. Uh. Since I liked the show better in, I think, the biggest disparity I've ever had on this podcast and probably ever will in life. It's it's extreme. (laughs) Um, uh, Since I liked the show better, I'm going to recommend a comic and I'm going to recommend Sex Criminals by Matt Fraction. Mm, That's really good. Yeah, it's it's very fun. Uh, It's pervy in a way that is... It's not gross at all. Like, not not even gross the way, like, the boys the show is. It's really just uh, got a lot of fucking in it, but it's great and uh, and just a lot of fun. Uh, and then, Katie, do you, you can recommend a comic or a book, whichever. Okay. Um, I sort of have two recommendations. Um, one of them I'm not going to elaborate on very much because it's pretty obvious. Um, the Watchmen sure. is a modern classic that does, like, basically this premise but much 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 better um i called it the watchman it's just called watchman everybody knows that um so if for some reason you haven't read the you haven't read watchman i still yet, haven't but so if you would like to uh highly recommend it i do have it on my shelf um it is like you know much more somber it's like more serious more weighty um it, do- it doesn't really have the like full-on humor um but it doesn't fucking suck shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very good. Um, it explores the idea of superheroes being inherently fascist uh, in a very thoughtful and interesting way. Uh, but my more dark horse recommendation is Glamorama by Brett Easton Ellis. I love it. Thanks so much. Um, so I feel like a lot of a lot of the boys, the show, and a lot of the characters in the boys feel like. They, they really embody the sorts of things that make me love the work of Brett Easton Ellis. <laughs> uh, that's, I'm, I just, if you love an incredibly toxic male who will kill you, but also is so sad on the inside, <laughs> um, Brett Easton Ellis is the man for you. And Glamorama, um, while not about superheroes, is like very, gets very close to that because it's about... Uh, like famous fashion models who are also spy terrorists. Um, so pretty much as close as you can get to like superhero, supervillain without the actual superpowers. Um, and the central protagonist and antagonist, I would say 
respectively really remind me of the deep and homelander hell yeah <laughs> uh, and um and yeah it's got it's got the same sort of like really goes there goes there too much it's bad <laughs> but you gotta hand it to him he went there um it's a very it's very fucked up it's very dark um if you're not familiar with freddie spinellis he also wrote american psycho um I think this book is pretty similar to American Psycho, but I think a lot better. Um, so yeah, I think if you, if the book, if the show, uh, The Deep speaks to you, and if you like a slightly uh, experimental prose style, <laughs> um, or if you've read American Psycho and liked it, or if you read Less Than Zero and liked it, I definitely think that um, Glamorama has a lot to offer you so that is my recommendation nice may i just add to the conversation <laughs> that i think uh chase crawford should be in some uh brady stanellis adaptation oh thank you for saying that <laughs> yes he should there has not been a glamorama movie yet and i think he should play victor ward nice. i think we're ready for that unfortunately I, I do not think the actor who plays homelander can play bobby hughes <laughs> um i don't think he could credibly play a world famous fashion model unfortunately um but yes i definitely we definitely need to get chase crawford into the elisa verse yeah absolutely <laughs> well katie would you like do you, do you have any plugs well i do when i don't mm -hmm. <laughs> you can follow me on twitter at katie library k-a-t-i-e-l-i-b-r-a-t-i-e uh, and you can check out the old episodes of my podcast, Bread Easton Hell Yes. Um, it's uh, it's in archives. I'm it, I'm not updating it because I I finished Bread Easton and Alice. There's nothing left. You did uh, it. <laughs> I did it. We did it. Um, but uh, it's my proudest work. And Lenny's been a guest on it many times. And it's yeah, it's a real fun time. Right. And you can, of course, listen to my other podcast, House of House. I think House is a really great halfway point between the epic bacon of the boys comic and the uh, genuinely fun-biting satire of the boys TV show. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and he also looks a lot like uh, Translucent. Like translucent. Yeah. yeah, he sure does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can check that out, and you can follow me on Twitter at Lenny Burnham. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, I'm so glad you're all just thinking about the boys, because I know I sure am. <laughs> yeah, same. Do you want to learn falsehoods? Do you want to learn the not truths? Do you want to go to hell? Join Eric McAdams, Alea Plotney, and Liam Sr. as they go to hell. We Are Experts <laughs> is a podcast on the Major Cast Network. Each episode, we take a topic we know nothing about and speculate wildly till our hearts content. And then they sort of learn a little bit about the real topic at the end. But not too much. Just a little. Tune into We Are Experts. Wherever you get podcasts, whenever we feel like posting it. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.